Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, hey, BA fam, it's Mandy here with another episode of the Brown Ambition Q&A, the BAQA. Thank you all so much for sending us your questions. This is one of my favorite times of the week when I get to sit down and see what's going on in y'all's lives and what kinds of questions you've got today. We have some interesting ones, a couple of you know, career questions, which is which is my groove, it's my jam. But a kind of spicy question about someone whose husband may or may not have been using credit cards to invest. Oof, this one's painful. I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to respond to it. But listen, this is some really juicy tea, some hot pipe, pipe and hot tea for your Friday. So let's get it going. All right, question number one that I teased. This comes from listener Robin, who sent us an email saying, oof, okay, Robin says, my husband does not believe in savings accounts and often blows through money. I just found out that he made an over $50,000 investment without consulting me. He often does this and he lost it all. This was all done with credit cards. What or where should I start to secure my financial future? Robin, every sentence, it got worse. (laughs) Like, first of all, doesn't believe in savings accounts. I didn't think that was a thing that we know. I thought we could at least all agree. That's one of those things like in today's world, can't we at least agree that saving is important? Like we can, we can fight about politics and vaccinations and that, but came, I thought we could at least agree that having more money set aside is better than not having money set aside, but okay. Your husband's a unique individual. So first of all, doesn't believe in savings accounts. Strike one. Often blows through money. Strike two. Lies to you. Because I think not telling you is also a lie. Lies to you when he spent $50,000 on credit cards to invest. Like, what? What? (laughs) I don't even... So I'm going to make an assumption here that either he he did cash advances on multiple credit cards to get that amount of money or potentially he invested in a individual's business by paying with a credit card. I have no idea. I can't even begin to fathom. Your question though is where do I even start to secure my financial future? Robin, listen, I am in obviously I've been married for several years now, been with my partner for a decade and it's not easy. It's definitely not easy to align yourselves financially with an entire with a with a different individual. You've got different goals, different styles, different values potentially. But this is like 
beyond. This is beyond the normal kind of situation that partners face when it comes to trying to work out their finances as a team. This is next level. I mean, this is like fraud. It's fraud on you. I'm concerned for you, genuinely, genuinely concerned that your finances are in deep, deep jeopardy the longer this continues to go on. At this point, given the level of financial infidelity happening, the level of, I'm going to I'm going to guess manipulation, control. I don't know what's exactly going on here, but it's so bad that I don't even know if there's a way to necessarily rectify it. As far as your personal financial future, I would make sure that none of that debt is in your name, like those credit cards. I'm hoping that they were just in your husband's name and not your own and start keeping really tight control and protecting your finances, protecting your bank accounts. I would start squirreling away money in your own savings account that he does not have any access to, girl. Get that password. Get second factor authentication. You know, get the FBI on it. Lock it down because I don't think you want your husband anywhere near your money because he's proven to be really careless. Yeah, this is shocking to me. So I would start on your own. Like, let's even forget about the relationship factor. Let's like your your. Um, an independent woman, you can decide whether or not this is the kind of relationship you want to continue having. But let's say you decide to stay with this person. I think it's all about you creating a huge like Grand Canyon sides divide. And on one end of that Grand Canyon is him. And on the other end of it is you and your money. So keep it safe. Keep your own savings accounts. Keep your own credit cards. Make sure that they are hidden, that he can't take them. And then as far as your assets and, and the debts that he's been taking out, start to figure out you know, what your if your name is on any of those accounts. You may even want to uh, speak with a family law attorney to because in your state, like there's sometimes and not sometimes often in different states, they treat they treat spousal debt in different ways. Um, and I'm not sure where you're from. So I can't really speak to the laws in your state. But reaching out for a informational conversation or consultation with a family law attorney may help you figure out in your particular state what can be done to protect your assets from any bad acts, bad acts on his part, because that's that's the best thing you can do. You don't mention children. So maybe, you know, in this case, things are a bit simpler. It's just you. So I'm trying to think of other ways you could potentially, I mean, this this guy is unhinged. He literally sounds unhinged. So I hope that you are, you can reach out to someone who can give you some legal advice about how to protect yourself in your state. But this does not sound like a healthy relationship. It sounds really freaking scary. I hope that you're taking care of yourself and taking some steps toward protecting yourself and don't necessarily blame yourself. I mean, listen, when people are, when people are this hell-bent on taking risks with money. I mean, there's something else going on there. It has nothing to do with you. And it's not about how you could have prevented it. Like if they're really determined, bound and determined to um, make these kinds of careless mistakes when it comes to their finances, there's probably nothing you could have done. This is just about putting your own oxygen mask on first and getting if you're not going to get out of the relationship, at least protect yourself financially so that, you know, you've got that safety and security and you can take care of yourself at the end of the day. I am wishing you really well. Thank you so much for 
opening up and sharing your story. And I, I hope you hear this and I hope that you're doing well. Okay. All right. Woo. That was a lot. Why don't we take a quick breaky break and I will be right back with more of your BA Q and A's. Hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, BA fam, our fellow entrepreneurs and creatives, this message is sponsored by Squarespace. It is the ultimate toolkit for crafting your online presence. With Squarespace, it's really about more than just building a website. It's about shaping your online identity and making your mark. So say goodbye to checkout headaches with Squarespace's flexible payment options. From credit cards to Apple Pay, they've got you covered. And if you live in an eligible country, they offer buy now, pay later options with Afterpay and clear pay, which means that your customers have even more ways to purchase your products. So head over to squarespace.com and kickstart your journey with a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, don't forget to use our link squarespace.com slash brown ambition to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Just visit squarespace.com slash brown ambition to get your discount today. Remember your online success story begins with Squarespace. So what are you waiting for? Let's build something extraordinary together. All right, BA fam, we are back. I am, well, I say we, I'm so used to being a we. Tiffany, I miss you. I am back. It's Mandy with more of your BA Q&As. Y'all, if you want to shoot us a question, you know you can do that on IG. Hit me up at Mandy Money on IG, or you can hit our podcast page up at Brown Ambition Podcast, and it's a DM. Also on email, brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. We love to get y'all's questions, everything from career to financial to relationship advice. We're here for y'all. Send them on in. All right, we've got a couple of juicy career questions now. So let me move on over to IG, actually. I've got a question from Kelly. Kelly says, Mandy, I listened to your webinar last week. There was a question about staying at a job for flexibility, but the pay is not good. What do you think about that? All right, so I hosted a webinar last week. It's called um, 70K to 700K, How I Quit My Way Rich and Built Wealth Through My 9 to 5. And this is a webinar I've done only two times. And the reason I started doing this is because I wanted to open up and share sort of my story on literally how I quit and how quitting jobs played such a fundamental role in helping me build wealth over the course of my career, especially in the last five years, which is when I was able to make that jump from 70K net worth to 700K net worth based on some strategic career moves that I made. And what I love about this webinar is people like it's I keep it I keep it 100% in these webinars and the questions are so good. And I don't I, I didn't get to all of them during this past webinar. So I love that Kelly wrote in to ask this question. So she's saying, stay at a job because it's flexible, but the pay isn't too good. 
I get it, y'all, especially when you're a working parent, sometimes knowing that, okay, when I need to stay home, uh, for example, like if the kid is sick, or, you know, if you're sick, and you just want to have the flexibility of staying home, or you want to take a mental health day or things like that, knowing that you've got a team and a boss there who just trusts you to get your job done, and isn't going to necessarily make you feel bad for taking that time off. And especially now, like if they also give you the ability to work remotely, on top of working in the office, that's a huge benefit. That's like a, it's the kind of job benefit or job perk that you can't necessarily put a price tag on the same way you can like base salary or a signing bonus or equity. But it's definitely one of the more attractive benefits that jobs have today to offer. And it's what people want. We desperately are wanting more of this flexibility. So I can understand why, like, for example, if you've got job A and they're offering you 75K, flexible schedule, you can make your own schedule, you can work from home when you want to, remote work when you want to, etc. And you're choosing between that job versus job B, which is maybe 95k, but they want your butt in the seat at 8am and they want you to track your lunch breaks and they dock your pay if you're going to be, you know, late or things like that. Like, that to me is maybe not worth that extra 20k. Um, And it's really a personal choice at the end of the day, it's a personal choice. Um, if the job, if the job that you have now is giving you flexibility, that makes you, it makes you happy. It makes your day easier. It helps you do what you can for yourself, for your family and have a living wage and be able to pay your bills on time. Like that is the dream, right? However, I would never want anyone to necessarily stay in a job just because they're flexible. The same way I wouldn't want someone to stay in a job just because the pay is decent. You never know what else is out there. And that the reality is that a lot of like there's more than one employer that is willing to be flexible today, especially in today's job market. More and more employers are getting it. They are actually getting it. They are increasing the number of paid time off days, sick days, you know, being more flexible when it comes to remote work. So the odds are even greater of finding another employer that will be equally as flexible, but then also may pay you more. So what I'm not a fan of is ever just staying, like my least favorite word, I think I mentioned it before is stable. Just because something is stable, and it's a known entity doesn't necessarily mean it's the best um, place for you and your career. So that's why I'm always encouraging people to keep one eye open, stay open to opportunities, stay, you know, with one eye on LinkedIn or job boards to see what's coming through. Um, keep an eye out for employers that you hear have a great reputation for their benefits, employers that you hear friends talking about or that have been have won awards for the way they've treated employees or have been written in. Um, like publications like Fast Company or Insider, or even Bloomberg, sometimes they'll do lists of the best companies to work for, or spotlight companies that have these amazing benefits. So keep an eye on that. Because just because of play, like there, there's more than one, um, there's more than one option out there. So that's what I will say. Great. I understand why you'd stay someplace. And even if you know, it's paying a little bit less than what you can get somewhere else. But the huge benefit is that they're flexible. I understand that 100%, but I don't want people to limit themselves or think that there's not other opportunities that could do both. It is possible to have flexibility and get good pay. You just have to be willing to wait and look for those opportunities as they come by. All right. Thank you, Kelly. 
Let's move on to another question. This one comes from Golda. I know Golda. Golda's one of my career coaching clients. So I love this question. Golda says, hey, Mandy, if I leave a job after three months, what are the pros and cons of leaving it on my resume? Ooh, this is a good one. Golda, I'm not going to even lie. I can think of two jobs, at least, I'm trying to remember now, two jobs that I have full time, these are like full time professional roles, not when I'm talking about jobs, I'm not really talking about like, the part time work you did in college or in between or bartending or whatever. Uh, nannying, if you do like those side jobs, more like full time roles that you would put on a resume or LinkedIn, I can think of a two jobs that I don't have on my resume, because they were just short they were such short stints. The reason is because collectively, like my resume right now as it stands is really strong with what I have on there. The pros and cons of whether or not to have that on your resume, so let's work through them. Pros of including a job that's on, on your resume when you've only been there for three months. Pro is it explains a career gap. So this is becoming less problematic or less frowned upon um, by recruiters and hiring managers these days to have like a gap on your resume. They're not as they're not as much like looking at that and questioning and being suspicious. And actually LinkedIn just released a new feature that lets you add a career pause to your resume on LinkedIn or to your list of employment on LinkedIn, a career pause, which then you can explain if it was for caregiving or or whatever reason, which is like destigmatizing that whole thing. In this case, though, so the pro there is that you can explain, rather than have a gap there, you can have an explanation like, okay, I was here for a short stint. Now, I would expect in an interview them to ask you, okay, so you know, I see you only spent three months at this job, you know, can you tell me why? As long as you've got a strong story, and you have a, a reason behind why you left, and it wasn't like, oh, I just like, and I just didn't like it, you know, hours were crappy. So I just left, like, you have to have a strong reason. And it can be, you know, I was hired to do XYZ, the company was acquired, and everything changed. Or I was hired thinking that I'd be working on this team, but things changed, you know, that's so often the reason why we leave jobs after such such short stints is because something was, it was like a bait and switch. Like I and this happens, I think a lot when people are getting a job and you think it's something and you get in and you're like, oh, crap, this is not it. And in that case, I think it's to be respected that you're that you're able to recognize this is not a good fit. I'm no longer the right person. So let me move on. So a pro is that you're able to explain that in an interview if given the opportunity and you can if you tell a, a, a reasonable story and tell it in the right way then I think the hiring manager or the recruiter will understand and it won't necessarily be a mark against you. Now, some cons, if I can play devil's advocate here. So obviously having, so if you're looking at, if you've got a long resume and you know, you've worked two years and three years and four years, and then there's like a three month stint somewhere at the bottom, like the, sorry, if it wasn't like a recent um, job and it's earlier in your career, I would, I would lean toward that being more of a con. It's just going to distract them from all the great work that you've done more recently. And it's going to like give them a reason to ask. Like I would remove it honestly, if it was, let's say, three years or more in the past, and you've had at least one or two solid jobs since then. Because like I said, it could just create like an opportunity for some doubt to creep in. Um, and like I said, like you've got substantial career experience since then. So 
kind of like why take that little bit of a risk? So I can go either way. If it's some, if it's like your most recent job and you're leaving um, after three months, I would, I would probably add it if the story that you have you think will resonate with recruiters. If not, then I would say you could you could use the new career pause or career break feature on LinkedIn just to you know characterize that as a career break. And you can also use the same language you know on your resume if you wanted to say career break and then. You can kind of explain, I was trying out different things and ultimately decided that this is a path I want to take and this is why I want to work for your company. So much of interviewing and explaining our career history is about storytelling. And I talk about storytelling all the time. I mean, it's how I make my living telling stories as a has-been, as a writer and a journalist, but it's so crucial. And that's what I feel like I spend a ton of time working with my career coaching clients on is, okay, so these things happened. If we, you know, tell the story in an accurate but strategic way, we can frame it in the best possible light so that the people on the other end understand where you're coming from and they're understanding your thought process and the you know, considerations that you took before making these decisions. So that's why I actually don't think that short stints at jobs necessarily are what could hinder your potential of getting your next great opportunity. I think it has a lot more to do with how you characterize those short stints and what you say to the recruiter or hiring manager about that time. If you've got a good practiced, well-framed story prepared for that and um, you anticipate it'll come off positively, then I would say leave it. If your story is not there, or it was a really terrible experience, and the story does not paint you in the best light, then I would say probably just leave it off the resume and explain it as a career pause of some kind. All right. I hope that is helpful. Thank you so much for your question, Golda. Thank you all so much for your questions. Again, hit me up. I'm at Mandy Money on Instagram, Brown Ambition Podcast on Instagram. You can also go to our website, brownambitionpodcast.com to leave us your questions there or shoot us an email at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. See y'all next week. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.